This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, Jim, my host, Nick and Dan, and that is right. We took a day off, you sons of bitches. What are we doing? How? How dare we? <laughs> what, what kind of ship are we running here? It's oh crazy. Oh, my gosh. I, I blame Dan. I what? always blame Dan. It's great. I don't have a reason. I just you don't have to. You don't have to do anything else. You just blame Dan, and it's over. <laughs> wow, this is quite a sham. I'm uh, I'm gonna go take another day off. Yeah, there you go. Well, jokes on you. We've uh, we've got an update pod, a final four special Chelsea style when it comes to the bitters. But before we get into that, uh, some things have happened, and some people have said some things. So we got to touch on that. Um, first of all, Abramovich potentially poisoned. Uh, when he was at the border trying to broker uh, a peace deal with Ukraine and Russia. So that's a really interesting thing. Like, technically, there's been no official confirmation of a potential attack. But there's definitely uh, been some pretty substantiated uh, allegations that he was very sick uh, with some very, like, terrible um, effects of the poisoning, Nick. You were talking about, like, skin peeling and painful tears from your eyes. Like, ugh. Yeah, I mean... Anyone who's followed, uh, you know, Russian espionage uh, over the last few years would know that poison is a uh, a weapon in their arsenal. Um, so this would not be a huge surprise. But there has been reporting, uh, although no official confirmation has to be said, uh, that Abramovich reported symptoms in the days that followed his visit to Kiev on March 3rd. Um, he was with Ukrainian um, officials trying to strike a peace deal. Of course, this is very early on in the now month-long war. Um, so that's when all this, the symptoms and stuff began to to happen. Obviously, you know, with everything going on, it, it, it's crazy, but we don't want anyone to get poisoned. I mean, and no, I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? So uh, hopefully everyone uh, who was feeling symptoms is feeling better now. Uh, it's absolutely nuts that we're getting this type of information about the owner of our club yeah yeah absolutely it just reminds us that there are a lot bigger things going on uh in the world right now with some things but uh dan then the other thing was we got a supporter man king canners in this situation he met with the ricketts to get a sense of their commitment like what a great thing club legend guys been through it all trying to do some work to help us out wants to see are they really committed to an inclusive club and the mayor reported on it and then canners got racially abused on twitter as if he's pro ricketts well, I think the thing we should do first is read the statement that came through his agent and was put online, which essentially today I've seen an article in the Daily Mirror about my meeting with the potential owners of Chelsea FC. I have not and will not give my personal endorsement to any bid. The violent race abuse I have received this afternoon was shocked, uh, has shocked and upset me. I won't be making any further comments. It's just ridiculous that you know someone who has already in his days as a player received racial abuse is receiving it again really for trying to engage and i get that there are preferred bidders amongst fans they're preferred bidders uh whether you're hoping for signing players and you just want whoever has the biggest pocketbook to hoping that someone represents the values that this chelsea team about inclusivity and diversity in addition to putting a good product on the pitch is the owner that you get but ultimately it shouldn't come at the be Hest or you know be drawing ire for having these meetings and having these conversations. I, I mean, you, you still have to vet them. Like you, you have to, you have to take the meeting. 
Uh, and he's doing everyone a favor. Like he is the uh, the soul of this club. Like he shouldn't have to do this. By the way, <laughs> like he, there shouldn't be any incidents that would that would call upon his expertise to try and sort through. He's just trying to figure out if the Ricketts' very bland statement that they put out last week is real or not. And the fact that he met with them is a courtesy to them, frankly, um, not the other way around. Uh, so the fact that then he's going to get racially abused on top of that is fucking absurd. And everyone needs to go support him right now. I mean, this cat has given and given and given to a ton of people who apparently just will never love him for, for who he is as a person. And I know that there are not any folks who, who listen to us who are in that category, but it is absolutely ridiculous uh, that he was uh, made to do this in the first place or even wanted to do it in the first place because there was a doubt about whether a potential owner of Chelsea was racist or not. I mean, like the whole thing's fucking absurd. We support King Canners always. Let's let's hopefully get this over with soon. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. Look, CST is talking to people, you know, CPO is talking to people. We need as many uh, people connected and in tune with the club and its values talking to these owners. And, and look, he's telling them what the expectation of them is coming in as well. So, again, uh, some people just have their agendas flipped, like you're taking a good thing and making it do a bad because you're, you're just not thinking the entire picture. So, again, uh, updates on Roman and uh, Canners, which uh, is important that you're aware of, if, if not somehow. So, um, but all right. Getting into this episode, in the spirit of March Madness, as I alluded to earlier, we're talking about the final four, but not Kansas, Villanova, Duke, or UNC, but the final, question mark, four bids, shortlisted by Rain, for the right to purchase Chelsea. We we have no idea. I mean, it's four, we think. Is it final? Or are they just like bucket A, maybe we go to bucket B? I mean, I, I, I don't to, know. To the NCAA lawyers listening to this uh, podcast, it's the final four bids is what we're calling it. This is not yeah. the final oh, yeah, four. Yeah. No. Uh, please take your complaints elsewhere. Thank you. Well, wouldn't it be great if the final four added like a WWE style type of like entrant moment where a team that had gotten busted out in the earlier rounds could come in into the final four? <laughs> is that St. <laughs> Peter's car- music? <laughs> and then, then they're back, you know, that'd be fun. Can Iowa State come back or no? Okay. They, no, they actually cannot. No. <sighs> All right. So just to review, bidders have been given two key dates by Rain who are looking to make a cool 30 plus million off commission on this one. Um, yay. Credit to them for being able to make it. Uh, April 11th, the final improved bids due to Rain for review. Remember the first time that they had to come with their best one? Okay. Well, now they have until the 11th of April to just really. Kidding really bring your best bid in yep. uh, and then a week later only seven days later uh they're going to have the preferred bidder presented to the government um so that heated up um uh, quite quite quickly uh so so that's interesting and then lastly the final has also been provided with a couple of things dan which we call due diligence an opportunity for exploration into the business 
Yeah, it's uh, it's like the final rounds of the Bachelor, right? You know, they they they've made it to uh, to hometown week, and they're getting a chance to uh, meet with the department heads. I wish I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I really don't. <laughs> you, you do, which is why I think it's pretty funny. Uh, anyway, uh, department heads, including coaches like Thomas Ducal and Emma Hayes, uh, board members, they get a chance to tour the club facilities um, and uh, trip over to Cobham, and then uh, they get a more up to date view of the club's accounts because the information Rain provided all of the Perspective 30 bidders was last year's accounts. This year, they'll have the, uh, you know, they get the bit of a better peek behind the curtain, as it were. And as Matt put there, Nick, potentially a tiny little sliver of hope still for a potential 11th hour bid. Steve Ballmer, come on and save us. The Undertaker. Just, yeah, you, Stone Cold's music, just glass shattering. Is that Steve Ballmer's music? Yeah, it is. Uh, so we'll see. Smash together. Not, not, uh, not hopeful on that. But uh, look, Matt, Matt has been doing. Matt Law has been doing incredible reporting. Nizar Kinsella, both friends of the pod, have been doing incredible reporting on everything that is happening around this bid. They've been working tirelessly, working weekends, doing everything the right way here. Uh, Matt put out an article uh, that says from Rain, our commission is tied to both proceeds and the capital contributed to build and run the club for its future success, which is a key part of this. They can't just come in and then shed everything once they get in there and sell it for for scrap metal. That's not the point. Uh, the process is moving along as we anticipated and will accelerate from here with robust bidding. Robust bidding is so good. Uh, as we seek an optimal outcome for the club and the fans. How about the fans and the club? That would be neat if we well, reverse those optimal orders. outcome means they get a fat commission check. Yep. That's optimal. Um, but it would be really neat if they would confirm also that uh, they would donate their fee to charity. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Why would but, they? They're for profit. They didn't get well, in trouble. <laughs> you, you saw that the proceeds of the sale are being donated. And maybe in solidarity, net, you would net anticipate proceeds, a remember. portion yeah, mm. maybe the net proceeds of the sale could be donated. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, uh, to to Matt's point, though, as we maybe transition into our feels, okay. I actually think his tweet sums it up perfectly. And the fact that of the four bids, Rain have advanced. One is a group that Chelsea fans are pro- protesting against. Wouldn't be Chelsea if we weren't protesting something. One currently wouldn't pass the PL test. One wouldn't be viable because of UEFA and Champions League regulations. And he said, other than that, they've done a really good job. <laughs> so three out of the four uh major flaws and we don't have a ton of reporting on the other ones so diamonds in the rough yeah needless to say this will make our seating quite better but before we get to that you know dan, dan asked how are we feeling as fans right you know because we obviously report on this and you know we put our podcasting hats on to to kind of just put out the narrative and every now and then dive into it but like um i i I'm glad that, you know, some extra contingencies are being put in, like the billion dollar uh, capital investment that'll be there for the club to use. You know, you got to put it up front. It can't be, you know, used for certain things. You know, there's no asset stripping. Um, I think that this is a tough time. You know, I, I'm scared, you know, not 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 because of like global ramifications but it's like you know it's our team you just don't know what's on the other side is the grass greener probably not but you know we are very help 
bliss. I think I say that carefully in this process, as much as we want to feel like we're probably have a seat at the table, we really don't. And so you kind of got to sit and hope a little bit, I think is, is where I'm at, Nick. And like, you know, when you read Matt's tweet, you're like, cool. So three out of four, probably, you know, should we just look at Todd Bowley and, and just kind of accept it there? Or, you know, I feel like it wouldn't be Chelsea without a twist. Yeah. I'm, I'm really nervous. Um, you know, I th- I'd like to communicate a bunch of calm to everybody that, you know, we feel like it's going to be the right thing, but the vibes aren't good right now. I mean, it's, it's tough to see how this is going to go as of tonight. It's Tuesday, March 29th at nine thirty-seven PM. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the stakes are incredibly high. I don't feel like rain has done a good job at all in this process of communicating, anything i mean there was such scattered reporting on the finalists last week you're like what the fuck is even happening here and you know that is their right they are controlling the sale but i would love to know just a little bit more like who's going to make the final decision and you know that's some cool blanket criteria um that they've put out there but um you know what else is going to be uh, you know, I guess is there an order of that criteria? Is it all funding or is it all, you know, club um, values or whatever? You know, I think that that would be helpful. But yeah, if if rain seemed to have this under better control, Dan, I would feel a little bit better. But it's been very, very up and down. I would say that I am hopeful in the fact that supporters seem galvanized in wanting to share their opinion and wanting to set the standard and set the stage for what a new owner or owners of Chelsea would do and what they would commit to. I think it's easy to say you would hold a standard and in practice, but then to be challenged for it and asked about it. I think we're coming up at the end of an international break where Chelsea are going to have their first game against Brentford. And it'll be very interesting to see what, if any, demonstration might exist uh, against the the Ricketts family um, in support of maybe other ownership. So I'm I'm hopeful in that regard. I, like you, question whether or not the process is under control because it does not feel like there is a guiding hand for this in the way that a multi-billion pound sale um, which is something you would think would have a lot of shepherding and stewardship, Brandon, would be managed uh, a little bit more cleanly than this. It's felt, at least from the outside, very haphazard. Rushed, maybe? That they don't have any control over. <laughs> I, you know, uh, but, so there but, is yeah, that. You know. I mean, they, they do have control over their communication, though. And I think that's the that's the point that's kind of falling down right now is like, you know, it's all it's all going through reporters, even. And well, I mean, look, if these guys are used to flipping companies and assets, and things like this, nothing has been this public. You know, like I, and I'm not trying to defend them completely, but I have some empathy. Like, you think they have a, P, a robust PR communications department? <laughs> like, they're an investment firm. They just want to like chill and and swap yeah, assets and things. It's also not their first sale, though, either. Like, they had to have known that this was going to be incredibly public because the heart and soul of any football club are the people that are going to matches, the supporters, Mm -hmm. the staff, like everybody, everybody. And 
the playing staff who are going to resume their duties uh, this weekend, uh, both men's and women's. So it is uh, it's incumbent that they do a better job in communicating. But I think there's just an uneasy sense around the entire club right now that we don't really know how this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we're going to take our ad break. When we get back, we're going to jump into the bracket of our final, um, what is it again, before I get uh, sued, our final... Final four bids. Final four bids, yes. Definitely nothing to do with any craziness going in March. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, uh, Dan, on the the reverse side of this ad break, uh, we do have some Patreon updates, which are exciting. Well, look, we have the SW6-ish because it's uh, six points in six minutes from uh, our friends Joe Tweeds, our friends Jesse, and uh, look, even Brandon and uh, Phil get in on one talking about what's going on in the academy. But we have those coming out after matches or on a weekly basis, whichever is the right cadence for each one. Uh, we've got Joe Tweed's mailbag that we're doing twice a month. So that's pretty exciting, too. And uh, then we've got our wonderful Discord community. So, you know, please uh, join us on Patreon if you haven't uh, found the opportunity to do so. Definitely. Uh, and then a Matlaw episode coming. Um, look, Thursday. we... S- we say tomorrow, it it might be later today. Like, let's be honest, the way things are going. But we'll talk to Matt uh, as you're listening to this and then uh, uh, a mailbag with uh, good old tweeds. So uh, plenty more content coming at you oh, this week. Mailbag's just going to be us. Oh, Sorry, well, no tweeds on that one. We'll save that for Patreon. Yeah. All right. Well, in the spirit of smart smadness, uh, we thought it would be prudent to assemble the Almost final four proposals uh, seated appropriately. So in this process, we will match up bidders against each other on merit, allowing the tournament to select a winner. This may be more logical than what is currently happening at Chelsea. So uh, obviously you've got your one and four seed and you've got your two and three seeds. So we're going to kick it off the two and three seed at the first. We'll save the big uh, favorite and underdog uh, for the other side of the bracket. So, our two seed, we're going to go with the Ricketts and Ken Griffin, right? Uh, Nick, in your best uh, announcer voice, could you uh, read off some of the stats of this team? <laughs> best announcer voice. Uh, yeah, look, the Ricketts and Ken Griffin potentially have the highest uh, amount of money in this pool. Um we say potentially because we do not know what anyone's bid to this point or what support they are going to lend. A little but annoyed we didn't get a copy of the bid information, but... What yeah. are they doing? How are we supposed to do this officially without <laughs> without all the detail? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Ken Griffin's estimated net worth is $28.5 billion, which is uh, more much more than Roman's uh, current net worth. So just a, you know, a mile marker there. I think Roman's about four and a half billion dollars um the ricketts do have sporting experience owning the chicago cubs um and as of 2016 they did win their first world series in 108 years i think was the number um but dan there are problems well there are a few uh, in the hashtag no to ricketts campaign that has uh, been surfaced you know, i think there's just the you know the fact that Joe, who is the father, uh, whose emails uh, got into uh, Islamophobia and other things, uh, is not connected to the bid. However, he is connected to the family, so there is kind of the the concern there. There is Pete Ricketts, who is, as all intents and purposes, not connected to the bid, but as the governor for the state of Nebraska, uh, has done many things uh, into question uh, women's right to choose, 
including uh, quite, you know, racist remarks about uh, you people um, and many other things uh, like uh, standing in against in opposition to um, same-sex marriage. There's a whole a, host of a, issues. He's a horrible person who I desperately uh, do not want to be the governor of Nebraska. As a former Nebraskan, I can say that. Now you have Todd Ricketts, who is connected to the bid, um, who uh, most recently referred to it as the Kung Flu uh, for COVID in, on his Facebook, in addition to uh, talking about uh, people being rounded up into concentration, concentration camps for violations of uh, New York City uh, COVID lockdowns for large gatherings. So uh, just a, a host of maybe concerns around their ability to map to the inclusivity and diversity of Chelsea supporter group community and the good works that the club have been undergoing. And there's some serious questions about how they would run the club too. I mean, yes, the Cubs won a world series six years ago. They haven't done fuck all since, and they're currently not slated to be very competitive this year. Uh, there's been a huge dust up around the renovation of Wrigley Field, which is obviously an historical field in the heart of Chicago that, you know, is near and dear to a lot of fans' hearts. To do that, to, to rebuild any part of that stadium takes special planning permissions, just like it would at Chelsea, and they do not seem to be willing to play ball, um, aptly used pun there, uh, to get that done. And I think there's just general questions around how much money they'd spend. Chicago Cubs fans... Um, do not like them at all. And uh, I think there's just a sense that they would rather be rid of them and onto a new owner, which, you know, uh, personal stuff, uh, inclusivity stuff and sporting stuff is a problem, but they do have a lot of money. And for a capital group like Rain, that's uh, potentially why we have them as the number two seed instead of another bid. Yeah, it's kind of interesting here. One, uh, friendly jab of the Cubs fans. Look, Cubs fans don't go to watch their team win, right? It's a social day out. <laughs> all right. So if, if fair weather fans and like leisure fans are upset, you know, it's bad. Like just to kind of put that out there. Um, the other thing being, you know, one kind of counterpoint to that is if you ask LA Rams fans about cranky, love him. Great. If you ask Arsenal fans, not so much. But do you really think that he's going to treat the Cubs shitty and then like Chelsea is his new prize possession? Probably not in that sense. And then the other thing which is weird is like, what's Ken Griffin doing? You know, like, why would he partner with these people? And really, he's been quiet and, you know, people are always focus on the Ricketts. Like, is Griffin maybe the one that's really pulling the strings in this? And, and again, this is all speculation because you don't really know. But it always is kind of interesting that you'd assume someone like he knows their flaws very public, yet he decided to partner with them still. Um, it always makes me scratch my head because he didn't accidentally get to twenty eight and a half billion dollars. So what does he see that the rest of us don't? Um, well, I think there's the question of the initial bid requirements which asked for a level of sporting experience and so just because you rolled in with the largest bank account with the most commas in your <laughs> in your series of numbers did not uh, immediately grant you a seat at the table and so imagine that it's a combination of financing plus sporting history or experience that the um, Ricketts claim to have and and is there a bonus point or not for your portfolio being in crypto? 
Well, which is tough. Hmm. Um, My NFTs? Right now. No? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, number tough. three seed, Sir Martin Broughton, a.k.a. Josh Harris, David Blitzer, and others. This seems like a very open-ended consortium, as uh, they're putting it. Uh, Nick, back to the stat sheet. Yeah, Sir Martin Broughton uh, seems to be the face of the operation, um, is known as a, as a Chelsea fan, former chairman of Liverpool kind of helped them uh, get from the Gillette ownership, which was terrible, to the FSG ownership, which has been much better for Liverpool. Um, he would potentially be the chairman if they did win, um, which you know I think is a a positive. Um, the Harris Blitzer Entertainment Group has a number of teams in the United States of America that would uh, lend sporting experiences, including the New Jersey Devils uh, and a bunch of others. I think Brooklyn Nuts, maybe, I don't know, some other teams. Uh, so they have, you know, financial support and operational savvy as it pertains to the sporting part of this. Um, Dan, however... Um, I'll actually go through the investors really quick. Uh, Sir Martin Broughton, not financing. Uh, Josh Harris, $4.5 billion net worth. David Blitzer, $1 billion net worth. Vivek Ranadiv is $500 million net worth. I think these are all the bids that are included. It did not seem to be that this would be the most financially powerful bid through, but it might be the one that has some of the best future planning savvy to it. Um but I'll let you go into the sporting experience and all that. Well, you had Broughton's comments, too, about how this bid would be geopolitically diverse. And so it would not be subject to an individual country running into problems or issues because it if would take look, one multiple of them to hand the money <laughs> or the shares oh. over to someone else. Uh, I mean, that's that's how, you know. My sister tried to win Monopoly sometimes. It just doesn't work that way. You just can't hand the cash to somebody else. Um, uh, so sporting experience, Harris Steve Blitzer currently on the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers, also, right. Also investment into the New Jersey Devils from uh, Harris Sports Group. And then uh, Blitzer's actually started to invest in um, MLS or NWSL uh, organizations as well. Um, Rand Dave owns the Sacramento Kings, as you kind of mentioned, and I think maybe to the fan involvement standpoint, I mean, Broughton and co uh, are fans uh, and would be uh, chairman and then also a board member, um, you know, the former and the latter. And then uh, they also have indicated that they are supportive of the concept of the fan-led review, which called in the things such as the Golden Share, uh, which some of those are things that exist already through the creation of the Chelsea Pitch Owners, the CPO, uh, but it also includes things like uh, making sure that the color, uh, the badge, are kind of maybe subject to change or have uh, fan oversight at a board level for a specific set of criteria. The, the fans aren't signing off on who the club is buying or selling. That is not what the golden share is. Like, I think there's a lot of like lack of definition to that. Uh, it is really about items relating to club heritage. Uh, and they seem to be indicating that they are in favor of that fan review, Brandon. Good. Keep Rick Glanville on board. Be crazy not to. Um, some stuff about Stanford Bridge. They haven't really said a whole lot about it, but it's becoming a bigger and bigger, I think, focal point of the bids and the advancing here. Uh, but Harrison Blitzer did redevelop the Philadelphia Stadium for $227 million, but that's about a fifth of what they're going to need for the big old bridge. And then Co. obviously, you know, he received some criticism for pushing the Olympic Stadium without planning for it to be a football stadium. Um, now it's West Ham's problem, kind of. 
kind of not really. So, um, anyways, I would, I, I would also say like the the stadium, the reason the stadium is a big part of any potential new ownership group is because the revenues will have to increase at some point, right? If you're buying this club for the amount of money that's been reported, which could be up to $3 billion, mm-hmm. you a 45,000 seater stadium is not going to suffice in terms of, you know, annual revenue from ticket sales. And so we all know that Chelsea have gone through many flirtations with the stadium uh, rebuild, including a very serious one a few years ago that didn't go through for now a whole host of reasons, but uh, it's going to have to happen if you're going to invest that much money in the club. So yes, the the one billion reported dollars that it will take to rebuild Stanford Bridge is a lot of money, but eventually it's going to have to be there to pay off some of those debts. So go for it. Yeah. So there's a few issues, few few hurdles with this one. I guess uh, Dan, are you taking the bad news? Is that your role today? <laughs> I, I guess Dan. it is. Yeah. Um, look, Blitz and Harris are currently owners or own uh, minority stakes within Crystal Palace. So they would have to move those shares before they could technically pass the Premier League's uh, fit fit rules. Uh, fit because proper you, testing, Dan. Because they uh, they can't own two clubs at the same time. It's uh, it's a bit of a bit of a conflict of interest. It would make a really interesting FA Cup semifinal, that's for sure. Um, Competition integrity, Dan. They have to yeah. have it, remember. Uh, Harris is also uh, with the Jets, or not the Jets, but the Devils and the 76ers during the pandemic uh, tried to uh, cut wages. And uh, then you saw players like uh, Embiid say, I'll stump up half a million dollars to help offset the losses. And then 24 hours later, he's like, oh, yeah, I did. I did the wrong thing as a uh, billionaire. I uh, I decided to ask people making uh, substantially less than me and will never make as much as me in my lifetime uh, or their lifetimes or multiple lifetimes to take a, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent pay cut. Um, so, yeah, to be fair, was that. he was he was not the only one who did that. But it is particularly relevant here as we've just gone through a pandemic and Roman fronted everybody and made sure they were taken care of. So. Yeah, uh, And then Lord Coe has had uh, some comments around the future of women's sport, talking about it being very fragile, uh, particularly in reference to uh, Leah Thomas, uh, a transgender athlete in a WNCAA competition uh, after uh, placing and winning that competition or one of the races that she was in, uh, talked about it being a gender can't trump biology. And uh, it, that comment did not go over well either. So there's a lot of just interesting. It, again, it's not nowhere near as bad as the Ricketts. In total, uh, if you're weighing it in comparison here, um, but still not great things. All right. So not great things. we've got C2 versus C3. Um, I don't really see an up. I guess. Do we see an upset coming? Dan just kind of alluded to the fact that, I mean, not a lot of people, I think, are going to be pushing that Ricketts bid forward. Like, unless something comes out. But either way, you're going to be swallowing a pretty, pretty salty... Spoon of medicine. In terms of the tournament, can I throw out the scenario though? If you were if you were weighing these two bids on merit, the Broughton bid probably has a harder time right now going through than the Ricketts bid. Like, there's a lot of like they have a lot of work to do from like a a back end perspective to divest to like to do all that stuff like. It would if it's tomorrow, the Ricketts would advance out of this. Out of the yeah, if, if, if it's the shot clock, right? There's two yeah. seconds left on the shot clock. You have to take a shot 
Rain is probably letting the Rickets take the shot because they can get them through. Even though that is not the bid that we would advance, that does not nope. align with any of our personal morals or who we'd like to see in terms of ownership as a club with the capital that they have, with the fact that there are no necessarily operational entanglements. Unfortunately, now, it feels like it's a pass-through. Yeah, well, and it's it's tough. Like, the 11th is is two weeks away. Like, so, like... For for the Broughton bid to to move forward, it like they will have to do a shit ton of work in essentially three weeks, right? From the announcement last Friday to that point. So, yeah, as, if we're looking at it today, I, I think you would advance the Rickets out of this matchup, but hopefully that is not the case. Yeah, <laughs> look, they just have a lot of different people pulling a lot of different information, and then you have to get it to mesh together. Uh, it's definitely messier, you know. They're trying to spin it as a positive. Uh, but I think Rain's definitely looking at it as a negative in this sense. You know, the ownership portfolio is just messier. Who's in charge of what? What's, you know, if you run out of money in two years, how much is each person stumping up? It's definitely a lot more um, P's and Q's to go through and, and seed on that one. So, all right. Well, let's head to the other side of the bracket. We have our one seed, which I think is pretty understandably Todd Bully's consortium, uh, Vis Clear Lake Capital. Um, and then on the other side being... The underdog, Stephen Pagliuca, who uh, apparently came in late. Uh, but we knew there'd be someone who really wasn't making much noise that would sneak in, and, and it seems like that is who it is. So, uh, Nick, some stat sheets. or What is the stat sheet on the Bullet Consortium? Yep, uh, these guys were uh, first in the door, it seemed, uh, when the thing was announced. They were the first kind it's of like name. like they were ready for... almost. Yeah, like they had the, they were ready to sign the check right then and there. Um Look, uh, investors, Todd Bully, net worth around $5 billion. Hansberg Wies, uh, who's $385 billion. Um, Jonathan Goldstein, who is a British property developer and noted Spurs fan. Um, and then Clearly Capital, which is a California investment firm with about $60 billion in, in investments. Not um, Goldman, which I think a lot of people have confused those two. So just to be clear. Uh, so uh, Todd Bully... Uh, uh, there was a for for those who don't know, there was a scandal with the L.A. Dodgers owners about f five years ago now, uh, where husband and wife uh, got into a uh, a legal struggle. Uh, husband was forced to sell the team for an enormous profit, even though he was a terrible person. Uh, Todd Bowie's group ended up um, operating the club and owning club after that. So, um. Essentially, that he that helps run the Dodgers, right? He so likes Dodgers, buying distressed sports assets. So here we are, but uh, it's the Dodgers be a TV show in the future. <laughs> <laughs> distressed, yeah. Um, the the, uh, the Dodgers have won eight back-to-back -back Western Division titles. Uh, eight is a large number uh, for any sporting franchise. Um, the Dodgers won the World Series in 2020 and have been perennial contenders, obviously, throughout these seasons. Uh, they have invested a ton into the team. They just signed uh, Freddie Freeman for $120 million, uh, who is a aging uh, first baseman. Uh, so they are serious about winning and winning now. Uh, Bully also has stakes in the L.A. Sparks and Lakers. And then Goldstein, as I noted, is a Spurs fan, unfortunately, but has a ton of commercial real estate uh, investment experience. So 
that is that's that. Um, from a fan involvement perspective, uh, you have Finkelstein and Sharon, uh, who are I think both MPs, right? Um, who have uh, the ability to be non-executive directors of the club, both Chelsea fans, obviously. Uh, so there is a hometown connection to this bid. Uh, and the development of Stamford Bridge is the key here, uh, Brandon, because, again, it's just going to be a huge part of any bid. But certainly uh, this bid has a huge component of that with Jonathan, Jonathan Goldstein available to, uh, to help do that. Look, clearly, Bully was very strategic in who he brought on to fill different roles. Whereas if you look back up to, you know, Sir Martin Broughton's bid is like he kind of just pulled anyone and everyone he could. And they're like, oh, we'll figure it out later. Bully seemed to be much more measured with his his additions and things like that. Um, you know, that's where and then, he, you know, he bring in Goldstein because he's going to be critical with that. Uh, just a nice little quote from Bully on what success means says, you're not really asking me that, are you? He asked, the more World Series we win, the more valuable a franchise it is, right? Uh, success breeds value and earnings, which is a great way to look at it. We're a trophy club. He seems to be a trophy uh, winner. It's, it's fun to watch uh, fan cams being started, taking clips of Todd Bowley to like, <laughs> here comes the money and other things. Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the minor bit of levity I've been able to find in all of this. All right, Dan. Well, you're up with the problems. What's uh, what's going on with the bully bid? So I, I think that there's not a whole lot. And so I was trying to think about if I were trying to draw into question what the problems with this bid would be. And I think it is potentially that there has been comments from Vice externally about the valuation of the club. And does that valuation match what this group feels like is the right amount because i think there might be someone in this process that is willing to spe- you know to go up to stupid numbers to win the bid and then there are others who might want to win the bid but maybe at not at a stupid number and so i think that's the question is does their valuation and willingness to invest match or pass the threshold where maybe if there's a difference of 0.1 billion at the end that it's still their bid that looks the best overall even though maybe it isn't the most financially lucrative and then you know as as rain and then the current chelsea board who are helping to nominate the finalists uh can agree that just because the number isn't bigger um that doesn't mean they're not the best project for uh the club all right well that seems to be you know an an objective that they can overcome if they have the right you know operating plan behind it so uh pretty pretty strong from bully but as we go to the underdog uh the 16 seed maybe the 15 seed sneaking through uh steven pagluka coming in uh nick again back to you with the uh the stat sheet investors potentially you um yeah there's just not a whole lot known about this uh bid at this point um you know obviously pagluka has um, sporting experience owning the Celtics and uh, and uh, having a majority stake in Atalanta in, in Syria. Uh, Atalanta, of course, has been very uh, competitive over the last few years, especially in the Champions League where they went on a run in 2020. Um, the Celtics, of course, are 
uh, a sports dynasty in the United States. Uh, they've won division titles in 05, 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, 17. They won conference titles in 8 and 10, and they won the uh, NBA championship in 2008. Uh, so he's presided over a, a decent stretch of winning there. Cooled off um, in the last, yeah. uh, last cooled, few years. Cooled off a bit, yep, for sure. Um, but we're back this year. We're back. There it is. We're back. Well, there he is. There's Dan. Um, the the problems with the bid, Dan, uh, at least as we know yet, and there hasn't been, you know, I think that the thing that we need to realize about this one is there hasn't been the requisite reporting as there has been on the other couple. Um but at the very least, he needs to divest from Atalanta because UEFA and the Champions League competition at writ large has the same problem that the Harris Blitzer bid has with the Premier League is you can't be a part of two clubs that could potentially play each other in the thing. So there is that. Um, there is the fact that he also only bought into Atlanta this year. So like ah. this is a mm-hmm. very, very fresh sale. Um you know, I think that that is the question is like, so now he owns 55 percent. Um, and the question now is, can he move that? Can he sell that in the appropriate amount of time or maybe move into holding company? I'm sure there's some level of legal jujitsu that he could perform to uh, keep maybe ownership through like a shell company or something. Now that we're encouraging that, uh, I, I you know would like the owner of our team to be uh you know, maybe not with three teams, maybe two teams, uh, or maybe, you know, uh, not be so uh, kind of spread across uh, and have their resources spread across so many different opportunities. A lot of focus, a lot of focus here. Well, look, I don't think this is going to be a big head scratcher on this one. I think it's pretty clear that without any real information about Pagliuca and his bid and what he's bringing to the table and seeing that the bully bid seems to be so strategic and buttoned up, I mean, they're the first one in. And like I said, he barely broke a sweat getting that proposal in and everyone else is freaking out about the deadline. You know, I I just think that it's a very obvious number one seed advancing uh, to the final, which would then set us up for a one versus two seed, Bully versus Ricketts, which did not expect myself to be saying towards the end of this podcast. But uh, here we are. I mean, Nick, you wrote, it's an easy choice. A Bully gets additional funding to compete with Griffin. You know, I think at this point, bully bid seems like the most practical and lesser of all evils at this point because we don't know what might come up later and things like that um but we also have a lot of more information to come out as well with those deadlines on the 11th and 18th which i think will be really fascinating to see what uh what happens yeah i mean if we were picking a winner of these two it'd be pretty easy um I, you know, the fact that it's going to an auction tells you that financial capital is going to win the day um, and probably not the as much the issues of um, inclusion and supporter culture and all the things that we would hope would take precedent as the sale uh, moves toward completion. Uh, but um, I, I do think that the threat of the, the Ricketts bid is real. Um, and, you know, uh, again, open shot to Steve Ballmer who could come in and just buy this tomorrow if he wants. But, um, if, if bully does get additional funding and I think the wild card here, Dan is like <laughs> rain because they are trying to sell this club for as much money as they can has gone to all the failed bids. Um, right. And said, Hey, if you want to pair up with one of these finalists, go for it. That could be the thing that tips the balance. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's the the Kim bid from Korea 
that you know was pe- had people very excited. Uh, obviously, Candy has uh, put put himself on offer to anyone else who'd like uh, someone to join up. Seriously, any anyone, <laughs> anyone at all, call me. It's it's like the person who got uh, picked last in the, the game, and like everybody's like doesn't want to pick that person for the team, but he's like, I'll I'll go to any team. I swear, I'll I'll, I'll look, I'll uh, I'll back clean up. I'll I'll do whatever. Like I'll be in the outfield. I'll catch everything. Don't worry. Just yep. pick me, please, please. Uh, and then whomever else, uh, you know, potentially a Saudi media group and others uh, may be interested in working with some of these other bids. And like that just opens up the door to a whole lot of additional chaos over the next uh, twelve to thirteen days between now and final bids. And uh, as much as Matt has indicated in his article that these bidders have been. Advised not to engage in a publicity contest. Uh, it's very unlikely that uh, that they may, they themselves may be quiet. People around them or in their circles will not be quiet as it relates to the news that leaks out over the next one to two weeks. Well, they want they want fan support, right? You know, Ricketts flew over. Um, you know, they're engaging with Chelsea Sporters Trust, like I said, CPO, like. They're all trying to engage at different levels because anyone who takes over the club is going to want the fans on their side as fast as humanly possible. And look, right. a couple of key signings might do that. Just saying, like, think about it, you know, think about it. Um, but we got to see how it plays out. And so there's going to be a lot of posturing and positioning, you know, Chid just putting out some tweets and. Um, you know, he's a great follow, especially as we navigate these times and kind of, you know, what, uh, motives are for owners and things like that. And, you know, what the, you know, the spirit of the fans want to see from their club. Cause at the end of the day, it's not all about results, but a lot of it is. So, um, thankfully it seems like Roman is and his team are doing as much as they can to kind of put up the structure to ensure that. And, uh, we'll have to see how the, the process plays out. I, I will say though, just to end this, uh, at least on, on one upcoming note, I'm going to be talking to uh, Chidge and Chris Isaac um, very soon to get the CPO, CST, uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust, and Chelsea Pitch Owner perspective on uh, everything that's going on, especially as we head towards the 11th. Um, So be sure to pay attention to that. Of course, if you are financially able, go be a pitch owner. Go join the Chelsea Supporters Trust. It's It's a nominal fee to help support um, you know, the, the organizational structure that helps uh, supporters be heard and um, to ensure that Stanford Bridge is our home forever. So uh, go ahead and do that and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get their perspective. I'm sure Chidge being um, the reserved, you know, oftentimes doesn't want to say a whole lot, just very It might benign. just be dead air. You yeah. might you might just be speaking into the void, but I'm uh, sure he yeah. won't say anything interesting at all, Dan. That's the that's the whole point there. Look, he he used up all of his uh, his time, his airtime for the month, doing the uh, readings for the Stanford Bridge sleepout, uh, raising money for uh, stole victims uh, or the stole veterans, uh, which is phenomenal work from uh, all the individuals who spent the night out under the stars at Stanford Bridge to uh, help raise money for an important cause as well, too. So uh, Chelsea Chuss doing uh, great work. Uh, both for the future of the club and uh, also for uh, the community surrounding Stanford Bridge too. Wow, double positive notes to end on. So we're bam, bam. we're gonna leave it there. Nothing else needs to be said. Um, but again, I hope you enjoyed kind of a a fun uh, breakdown of the final four proposals. 
uh, that happened to be going on in March. Bids. With a little bit of madness. Uh, so anyways, um, <laughs> let us know. We're going to have the Matlaw update and a mailbag later this week. Uh, so just much, much more content. But if you are bored, head over to Patreon. There's a bunch of additional content being put there while the feed is full. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.